This is Monstras. Welcome to another episode of Monstras. I'm here and I'm still in quarantine, of course. We're, we're really responsible and follow the law. Yeah, exactly. We stay inside. Yeah. And as usual, my name is Brenda Salguero and with me today is... Orquidia Morales. Just for today, though. Just for today. Yeah. <laughs> After that, she's leaving the country. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know where would you where would you even go? I don't know. I've been reading a lot of Reddit mysteries, like unsolved cases. So right now I'm like on real conspiracy theory mode. So maybe I could be gone tomorrow. I don't know. Oh shoot! Go to Costa Rica. Okay, <laughs> but now you know where I'm going. <laughs> oh damn, damn! Where Carol Baskin's husband went? Yeah. I'm I'm one hundred. I don't think she killed him. Like, I controversial opinion. Even if she did, good for her. Because he sounded shady as hell. He did sound shady as hell. And, I mean, I watch a lot of Snapped and Deadly Woman, so I'm totally okay with her killing him. But <laughs> I kind of, I want to know. <laughs> How much sardine oil did too. she need for the tiger's to eat? <laughs> what are we talking about today, <laughs> before we get more sidetracked? I know. Um, so in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the movie Kronos. So we're doing a movie review, which I'm very excited excited about. Kronos was directed by Guillermo del Toro and it was released in 1993. So Brenda is going to do a scene by scene analysis. People love it. They ask for it. They want it. (laughs) (laughs) And who am I to to keep things from the people? Yeah. You know, especially I give and I give during these horrible times. If if that's what they want, that's what they get. Yes, exactly. So I'm super excited about this. Yeah. And then I'll do a little bit of analysis of the film and like some of the symbolism and stuff like that. So again, we're super excited. And Gronos is a really good movie. I'm not a huge vampire fan, but this one's really good. And it's Guillermo del Toro's first feature length film. He was 29 when he made this, which makes me really pissed. Because it's such a good movie. <gasps> Uh, yeah, it was such a good movie. Spoiler alert. Also, a spoiler alert. Yes, I like the movie, but also spoiler alert in general. We are going to be doing a breakdown scene by scene of the movie. So if you don't want to be spoiled for this movie, please do not listen. I've watched it like four to five times because last semester I taught it for a myths class. Uh-huh. So that was fun. And, and I'll talk about it a little bit later. Okay, let's get into it. So the movie starts off with the narrator tells us that it is 1536 and we're looking at Uberto Fulcanelli. Fulcanelli, right, is the name? I think so. Yeah, I would say yeah, that. Yeah, it's about the same. They didn't give me subtitles, so I was pissed. The narrator says that he is sitting in Veracruz, Mexico, and he is desperately trying to create a, a device that gives you eternal life. Then you flash forward 400 years into the future to 1937, where you come upon a scene of a collapsed building. One guy looks underneath one of the pieces of debris to find a creepy man with pale, pale skin. It looks almost like his skin looks like it was held underwater too long, like your little fingers get pruny. Yeah. That's what his skin looks like, but it's very, like, white, white. He's dying, having been crushed and pierced by the debris. 
So the narrator reveals that this man was the alchemist we saw at the beginning of the film. So I'm glad you said it was 1993 because the way the film looks, it looks older than what it felt like for some reason. It felt almost like it was filmed in the 80s as opposed to the 90s. I love the colors. I like the narration in this part. And I don't know if it was intentional. And also their narration is in English, but the rest of the movie is kind of in Spanglish. Like it's a really interesting combination, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think for his first movie, his first feature length movie, and his, it, it was kind of cool to see it start off in English. And in interviews, he said that he was inspired by like big budget Hollywood films. So he did want it to have that like US film feel to it. And, and I think it does with that narration. And it, it was really hard for him to get money to do the movie from the Mexican government, which funds a lot of filmmaking around that time. But they ended up getting a good chunk. They got $2 million to make it. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure it's made its money back. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty successful. After we see the alchemist die and we flash to the alchemist's house and we see bowls of blood scattered throughout the house. And we pan to an, the body of a naked man hanging upside down with a bowl full of blood underneath him. And then the scene kind of ends there. It's so fascinating. I love that scene. It sets up like the whole movie. And it gave me very La, La, Madame LaLaurie vibes from like, from like New Orleans. Yeah. I really like it. And I don't, for me, it's not a super gory movie. Like it has some gore, but it does have that like gross factor. Like, I don't know. There's just yeah. something like weird, uncomfortable about it. And that, that you're right. That sets it up. The narrator, as the scene is closing, tells us that the Kronos device is not mentioned. And some believe that it probably never existed. We know that's a damn lie. Conspiracies everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the scene changes dramatically and we go and we find out that it's Christmas. People are cleaning up the streets after what looks like a really awesome party. My guess is it's um, the 25th and that the night before was the 24th which is when the Latinos and the Latin Americans actually celebrate Christmas. We celebrate it all night long. We It's a rave. <laughs> I think every Latino party is a rave. <laughs> <laughs> it really truly is. We're introduced to a family, uh, a little girl, an old man, and I presume his wife, who's a middle-aged, slightly older woman. It turns out the old man owns an antique shop. So him and the little girl hop in the car, drive to this antique shop, and their first customer is a weird-looking guy with a very bad haircut. I mean, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a horrendous it haircut. Was <laughs> it was the 90s. It was so bad. So he And it added to his creep factor because he started creeping around the antique shop looking at different things, and he spots in one of the areas an, an archangel uh, statue with one of the eyes kind of caved in, gone, and the shop owner, the old man, who we learn later on is Jesus, so I'm just going to start calling him Jesus from, from now on. Jesus is like, hey, what's up, man? Do you need anything? And the guy's the guy, like like a cockroach, just scurries, scurries away. <laughs> like, he just leaves. And you're just like, okay. Isn't that racist, though? Anyways. <laughs> Why is it racist? The whole stereotype of Mexicans being like cockroaches. Really? I've never heard of that stereotype. I thought that was a stereotype. Is it? I think so. I'm pretty sure. Really? I've only I've only heard the Salvadorian stereotype, which is us. We're, we're pieces of shit. <laughs> we're set out this. Are you serious? Yes. That, that's why they're like, oh, why do why do Salvadorians float? 
because they're pieces of shit? Because they're pieces of shit, yes. Oh, my God. Have you not heard of No. This? People are horrible. All right. Sorry. Okay. Anyways, cockroach. whatever. I have a machete, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Not you, Arcadia. No, thank Anyways, we get another scene where the little girl and the old man, Jesus, and we, we learn later also that the little girl's name is... And as they're sitting there, they're next... They're kind of sitting next to the archangel statue. And out of the statue where the eye is missing cockroaches start to crawl out of it and it's disgusting it's just like all these cockroaches start to crawl out of it and they fall on aurora and of course she freaks out because she's like what like a seven-year-old she looks like she's seven or eight yeah what uh jesus does is he opens up the statue to look for this cockroach infestation but lo and behold what does he find instead is a device (laughs) it looks like a scarab like in the mummy that's what it looks like and it's all gold it's very intricate looking and i at that at this point in in my head i'm like well that's the that's the device that's the chronos yeah. obviously right later on in this same kind of similar scene ron perlman enters the screen and i'm like okay what the hell i didn't realize ron perlman and guillermo del toro were friends for that long <laughs> yeah it's it's really weird to see him there but he does he's such a good actor He's such a good actor. So the scene switches to Ron Perlman. He's on the screen. He looks hella skeezy in a suit. <laughs> it's really interesting. Uh, he looks really young, too. Yeah. So he's in a factory. And so and then he goes to like a secret room in within the factory, surrounded by like these statues that are the same statue that was in the antique shop that the creepy guy was looking at, the Archangel. So you see all these statues and they're in bags. And there's a man who's really pale, again, another pale person, and he's hooked up to all these devices. And it turns out he's looking for that statue. And he sends uh, Ron Perlman to that specific antique shop that Jesus runs to look for that specific statue. After Ron Perlman buys the statue, we see Jesus and Aurora kind of examining this, this device that he found. And then the the device does a weird thing. I already was like, oh my God, don't touch this thing. It's just, it looks, it radiates evil. I don't like it. But it's and so, so nice then the and device, shiny. It is very nice and shiny. You're right. I would have opened it. Yeah. You're, I lied. <laughs> so, okay. So my favorite part of the Ron Perlman scene, his name is Angel or Angel in the movie, is he's obsessed with plastic surgery. <laughs> I love that part so much. So he wants, the whole thing is like, the guy that wants Kronos, the old man, is his, like you said, his uncle. And he wants to get him the statue so he can get money to get his nose done. So he's walking around with like different cutouts of noses. And he's asking Aurora and Jesus, like, which one looks better? I That's love what that. that scene meant? I was so confused. I was like, wait, why does he want a, a note? Like, I was so confused. I didn't understand. That makes so much sense. He's just obsessed with his appearance. So... Okay, when we get to the later on part with the the fights, we'll talk about what happens to poor Ron Perlman. <laughs> yes, no, that that makes more sense because I was like, that's why I didn't really talk about it. I was like, I don't understand the scene. Why he's asking them about his nose? <laughs> like, why is he doing this? And also, it's such a weird character quirk to ask random strangers what nose looks would look better on him. Exactly, especially people that like he's up to no good, and he knows he's up to no good. And these people are now strangely involved with his evil deeds, and he's still like, "Y'all, which one looks better?" Yeah, like what? <laughs> and both what? of them sweetly vote for one, and he's like, "Yeah, I agree." <laughs> I 
don't it was just they're so likable yes the characters are very likable so so jesus holds the scarab in his hand and as he's looking at it these six little legs pop out of the machine and they pierce his skin and they're very sharp looking and so now of course jesus screams and he's like oh my god what the hell and so he rips the the little machine off of his hand and now he's covered in blood aurora's scared she's not really screaming or anything but she hugs jesus and he's like hey just go get bandages and we'll be fine so they go back home and that's where the old man's wife, uh, who I later find out is Mercedes. Her name is Mercedes. So Mercedes is giving uh, a tangled lesson. So she, that's what she does, I guess, for work, which is great. But as she turns around in a very dramatic fashion in her <laughs> tango move, she sees her husband and Aurora basically covered in blood. And so she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we cut to her cleaning the the wound and bandaging it. And she takes out a a metal stinger out of his skin, out of the wound. Oh, I was like, ow. So it looked so good because like the the skin pulled a little bit. It was really well. The makeup is really well done. Yes. The makeup in this is very well done. For 93, I was like, damn, good job, guys. Yeah. So I guess uh, later on we cut to a scene where... The old man is kind of, uh, Jesus is standing in front of the refrigerator and he's just like downing, I mean downing a like jug of water. Like he's just like chugging that <laughs> shit. Like a frat boy yeah. chugging beer, you know? He's just like guzzling it. And so I guess to me in my head, I was like, okay, maybe this injury is making him really thirsty. Like there's something going on here. And so he's drinking all this water and then there's this, the scene is really interesting where he just stares at a piece of, there's a, on a plate, there's raw meat that again is not even marinating. So excuse you, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> what is a piece of raw meat just doing sitting in the fridge for no reason? Out in the open too. Out in the open. I mean, they're older. They can't handle seasoning. I guess they can I can't. know about that at my age. <laughs> <laughs> not even that old. So... <laughs> So there's this plate of raw meat, which I, I think is, you know, carne asada or whatever. It's just sitting there and he starts staring at it and sta- Jesus just starts staring at it and staring at it like he's about to eat it. And I was like, oh, God, he's going to sh- he's going to shove it right into his mouth, isn't he? But then he closes this, the, the fridge and you're like, OK, it cuts to him. You know, it's still the same night. And he's just like standing in front of a window and he's just like going crazy, scratching at the wound up on his hand. And it's like all bandaged. So he can't get to it. At one point, he tries to chew through the bandages to like, <laughs> you know, when you have a mosquito bite and it's so itchy. Yeah. That you just decide to just chew on your hand like a hamster. <laughs> T- totally. And like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hamsters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, like hamsters. Yeah. So he's like trying to chew through like the bandages. So he's laying on the floor and he spots the scarab where he shoved it under the bed into a box, into a shoe box. And so he takes it out and I guess he gets so desperate that he grabs the Kronos, and lets it pierce him again. Oh, it's disgusting. And you're right. I think, I know you mentioned this, but you said something about like rabies and this kind of being the symptom. Yeah. Well, and I I hadn't thought about it. When I saw him doing it, I think my visceral response was to be like, and a lot of the movies like this, it's horrific and that just makes you a little queasy and uncomfortable. Like him looking at the mate, you're just like, please don't do it. Like you're you're a person, you're a human being. Don't chew on that raw piece of meat, (laughs) please. Yeah. 
Please don't. Please don't. Not in front of my eyes. Yeah. But when, when I was reading your description, I'm like, oh, this like thirst. I, I'm pretty sure that's one of the symptoms of rabies, which is interesting, is. right? If we think about the 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 Kronos giving him this disease. Yeah. It's very it's very strange. Like this whole time I'm like trying to piece together, okay, what what is it? What what is happening in the scene? Like why why is he so thirsty? Why is he uh so itchy? What mm-hmm. what is going on? Like it and it seems like he was getting warm too. Like he took off his shirt. Like his yeah. shirt is kind of open. He's he bare chested. Yeah, he's got mange. <laughs> what? So he lets the chrono. So he's standing at the. He's like walking down the stairs, and he says a prayer. He prays. He says like, please, 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 make this stop. He's so desperate. So of course he lets the chronos bite him again, and this time the chronos has a seventh appendage that comes out at the end of at the rear of it and it's this long stinger and it pierces right at where your hand and your wrist meet Mm. and so that that's where the i guess there's a vein there i don't know but it just pierces him there and you see him kind of have a face like he's having an orgasm that made me really uncomfortable (laughs) and he's just like he he it looks like he's in bliss like he's found some sort of relief from there we actually get a scene from inside the chronos which i thought was fascinating and pretty early on in the film because this is only like what 20 minutes in um and so we get a look inside the chronos you see all these little mechanisms you know little gears turning and then you see this squirming weird black worm with specks of red on it it's like sucking on the blood yeah, it's like oh. a little maggot almost, like a little, yes. that movement. Yes. And the first thing I thought of, literally the first thing that fell into my head was Mexican jumping bing. Uh, racist. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let me explain. Let me explain. Sure, so they always the want to explain. Why. Go on. <laughs> the reason why is because when I was a kid, my dad, we went to the Placita Alvera, Olvera in downtown L.A., and we bought Mexican jumping beans. And, you know, the Mexican jumping beans are real. Like, they, they're little beans. They look like mm-hmm. little beans. And they, and they do move around in your hand. And my dad was like, you know what? I wonder what's inside. <laughs> so we opened up the, the bean. And it turned out it was a worm. Yeah. It's really There's sad because then they die in there. Do they shove them in there? Like, I don't understand. I, d- I don't know the science of them. I know I've, I have had a few and then they just stop jumping and you throw them away. Oh, my God. Yeah. Poor worms. Yeah. Where is PETA? Where is PETA <laughs> when you need it? <laughs> they don't care about worms. They're not fuzzy. I, that's true. That is true. <laughs> so here is Jesus on the bottom of the stairs staircase, like with a like orgasmic look on his face. And you pan up and you see Aurora standing at the top of the staircase looking down on him and he finally sees her and he's like no 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 i'm okay don't worry about it you know go to bed so it's just it's just a weird i'm like god this girl this little girl man so later on we cut to the next morning and we see that jesus has decided to shave his mustache and he looks a little younger you're like oh okay jesus you look you look good you look good He does look so much younger. Like yes. I didn't realize how old he looked at the beginning till he got we got to this point. And I'm like, oh, he's he's a young ish actor. Like he doesn't he looks he's really not that old, old to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it was cool to see. Yeah. It was a really smart move on their part too. So he's 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 playing a grandfather, but he's really not. 
the I don't think the actor's that old. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting. So he's 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 like um really young looking now and he drives to his shop. And then when I when he arrived at his shop, I gasped. I was like, oh, because someone had broken into his place and trashed it. Assholes. So it turns out we find out that it was Ron Perlman, Angel, who by order of his uncle ha- went back to uh, the store to try to look for probably this mysterious device, even though Ron Perlman doesn't know what he's looking for. Like the uncle doesn't tell him. I will say that Ron Perlman, Angel, is kind of a dutz, like a dumb. He's a kind of like a dummy. And I appreciate that. He is what people call. No, he's not a himbo because he's not he's he's a bit of a bimbo, yeah. like a male bimbo. Yeah. But he's he's but he's meaner. So he's not quite a himbo. Yeah. After Jesus finds out that he finds a card on his desk and he sees, oh, it was Ron Perlman who destroyed my shop. So he goes to the factory and he confronts uh, Ron Perlman's uncle, the old man who's sick and dying. And so the uncle explains to him that, hey, 40 years ago, he found these like notes, these alchemist notes, and that in them, he found out that there are strict notes on how to use a secret device that this alchemist created that helps you prolong your life. He explains that inside of the Kronos is a little insect that filters out life. We also find out that this old man is dying. And, and you find out Jesus has been carrying this shoebox that, you know, he put the scarab into with him. And at first I was like, why did he bring this shoebox with the scarab to the person who's looking for it? Like, this is so dumb. So, <laughs> yeah. of course, the old the old sick man, you know, takes the box and is like, ha, 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 it's mine now. And and Jesus leaves and freaking the old man, the old sick man opens the box and there's nothing in it. <laughs> there's nothing in it. Him. And so, yep, he tricked him. Jesus was too smart. But now... There's two these two characters that have half the answer. So Jesus has the device, and that device, you know, prolongs life now we know. But the old sick man has all the rules on how to make that device work and how everything functions and what happens. So Jesus is in the dark. Yeah. And I, I just, I'm fascinated. This old man is old. He is dying. Why the hell does he want to live forever if he's going to look like that? I don't know. I mean, it looks like the Kronos does give you some some young, you know, ness, but he's not going to be 20, though. <laughs> no, there's a cost. There's a yeah. cost to this. So Jesus arrives home only to find the device is missing. He suspects that Aurora has it. And so he goes and finds her and he, and it's up on the roof. I guess they have like a little the roof of their home. They have a little other room. And that's her. It looks like that's her playroom because it's a mess. <laughs> and so he goes in there and he finds Aurora. And of course, she has the device. And I thought it was a really cute moment between Aurora and her grandfather, Jesus, because he's he's like, I understand why you took this device. You think it's hurting me and you just want to help me. And it, it was just a really sweet moment where it showed how these two characters care for one another. We flash to the a next scene where everyone, I, I guess, is getting ready to go out for the New Year's uh, New Year's party. Jesus is in the bathroom. He's getting ready. And Jesus is using the device. He's sitting on, like, the toilet seat or something. And he's using the device. And he has he has it, like, over his... Ugh, I hate anything with nipples. He has it <laughs> over his, his boob or his chest. His chest, yeah. Ugh, it's piercing his, his chest. 
and he he starts to notice that there's like some sticky substance all over his chest and it's it's very nasty oh it's nasty (laughs) i'm just amazed though we talk about a lot of weird nasty shit on this podcast and this is the most grossed out i've ever seen you at somebody like the fact that you see his chest (laughs) i was like listen I don't need to see this much nipple. And also, I just don't want to see this thing piercing. I don't like nipple piercings, like all that kind of stuff. It just weirds (laughs) me the fuck out. I hate it. I hate it. But I like the scene. It's very interesting because it's very mysterious. Yeah. And you're like, okay, he's he's continuing to use this device. He's kind of addicted to it. Yeah. It it's an it's an addiction. Yeah. We flash forward to the New Year's party that they they were heading to. So there, Jesus sees a man have a nose bleeding accident, and Jesus looks at him. He starts looking at him like I wrote down like Edward Cullen looks at Bella Swan. Yeah, you did write that down. <laughs> That that moment where he smells her for some reason and he like kind of recoils and but is also kind of like into it. I don't know. It's this <laughs> crazy moment where you see Jesus kind of fighting and this is where kind of good acting comes in. He follows the guy into the bathroom. And at this point, I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to suck the blood right out of his nose. Is it? Yeah. Imagine. Oh, <laughs> like he just he just latches onto your nose. Yeah. Like someone's mouth latches onto the nose and just starts <laughs> like a leech. Sucking. Yeah, like it just ugh. with mocos and everything, like all moco, <laughs> mocos and blood just don't mix. Oh, mocos all the time. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. So that's that's what I imagined was gonna happen, Orquidea, but luckily that doesn't happen. Yeah, thank God. So guy with the nosebleed, you know, he's cleaning himself off, and he some of the blood leaks onto the sink of the bathroom, and here is freaking Jesus staring at this blood again, and. He starts to kind of put his fingers in it and he's, his face starts to get closer and closer to the blood. And I'm like, this bitch is going to slick it. He's going to lick it. Oh, God, he's going to lick it. That's so unsanitary. And then right at that moment, this drunk guy bursts out of one of the stalls, bathroom stalls. And he's like, oh, who left all this blood here and starts cleaning it up? And so he cleans it up and walks <laughs> well, away. He's a very kind, drunk guy. Yeah, I was very impressed. I was like, he wasn't afraid of the blood. <laughs> Like, this dude was just like, nah, it's cool. I'll just, with no gloves, nothing. I'm just going to touch some unknown blood on, on the sink and just clean it up. In a public bathroom. <laughs> In a public bathroom. So, whatever. Very nice drunk guy. Walks away. And poor Jesus, he's like, fuck. You know, I can see him like, fuck, I wanted that blood. But then, there's a drop of blood on the floor. And I'm like, oh, no. And Jesus gets down on the ground on his stomach and he starts licking the blood off the bathroom floor. And I was just like floored. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Wow, that was a good one. Thank you. Thank you. But it was nasty. I was just like, oh, no, he's looking it off the floor. He's so desperate. And then and then I see someone's feet. And I'm like, I'm already getting secondhand embarrassment because this man is on his on his belly on the floor licking blood. How do you explain that to somebody, to anybody? But then he gets knocked out and you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's better than having to explain why you're (laughs) licking blood off the floor. I'd rather get beaten up. (laughs) 
just knocked me out because I don't want to explain this. That scene is so good. And I think you're right. Like, it's a combination of good acting and good cinematography because it's all in his face and his his body. You can see the tension of him, like, saying, I want that. But I also know it's kind of, it's not right. Yeah. (laughs) There's something obviously wrong and nasty. It's like... It's like me and ice cream. Like, I mean, I probably wouldn't lick ice cream off the fl- the bathroom floor, uh-huh. but I'd be tempted. Yeah. No, totally. Depending on the flavor. <laughs> yeah. It depends on what it is. I'd be tempted. I'd be like, oh, yeah. well. <laughs> it was, yeah, when I showed this movie in class, students were like, uh, like you could hear them just like, ugh. The, the build up to like him li- almost licking the nose and then they're like, okay, no. But then this, but then no, and then this. It's just like, what? where is he going to get this blood from? <laughs> yes, and I thought it was a very well put together scene where it's like, it's stepped. Yeah. Like the tension is kind of uh, there and, and you're like, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it just ends up with him on the floor licking blood and you're just like, oh, it's yeah. a combination too of it being from a fucking bathroom floor. Yeah. And two, it being blood. So, and I think it's really like cool. Like it goes from like high up, like somebody's nose to like middle to all the way. Yeah. Like putting him on his knees. Again, this kind of addiction. Yes. Yes. So Jesus is knocked out and he wakes up next to Ron Perlman in a car. And Ron Perlman's just like pouring alcohol down his throat. (laughs) So he's in a car overlooking this city. It's very romantic. I was like, oh, shit. Ron Perlman. He's looking really young now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, oh, damn, wow. (laughs) So I was like, what's going to happen? But no, Ron Perlman just proceeds to romantically beat up uh, Jesus, (laughs) asking him to give him the device. He, you know, it's this kind of dragged out scene. It's really interesting because it shines a light more on Angel. And he's just like this kind of sadistic, kind of mean guy who's not really smart. So he proceeds to beat the crap out of Jesus, and then he knocks him out. He places him in the car, and he starts pushing the car off the hill. And in this very dramatic scene, he just, he shoves, he does one final shove off the cliff, and the car goes flying off the cliff and crashing down on the street below. And so it makes it look like he was drunk driving and got into a car crash. So now poor Jesus is now in this wrecked car, and you hear his inner monologue, which was interesting because you never hear his inner monologue in anywhere else except yeah. for the scene. And he's just saying, you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And he says, you know, poor Aurora, I'm going to die. Yeah. He thinks of Aurora in his final, like, kind of moments. And you're just like, oh, that's so sweet and sad. He shouldn't have been licking blood from the floor. Yeah, you should not have been licking that blood. <laughs> homie what were you thinking so we cut to another scene with ron perlman and his uncle fighting and his uncle's beating the crap out of him yeah with his cane huh yeah i was like damn ron perlman you're not gonna like smack this boy so i guess he can't because he wants his money the old sick man ron perlman's uncle is like beating him and asking him how you did you check his heart before you you left jesus you know did you check his heart did you check his heart and ron perlman's like man no of course I didn't check his heart. Like He's at the bottom of a cliff. Yeah, he's at the bottom of a goddamn cliff. Like, why am I going to go all the way down there, check his heart? Like, no. So we then flash to Jesus at the morgue, and he looks pretty dead. And at this point, I was like, okay, this dude's dead. <laughs> and 
We get to the scene where Jesus is now being put into this large wooden box and getting ready to be cremated. Um, and so as we see the, the attendant or the uh, morgue guy attendant push the box into the cremation machine, we see that the coffin is actually empty. Dun, and you're dun. like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and Ron Perlman at that moment walks in and he sees that, oh, you know, the coffin's being burned. So this guy has to be dead. Like he's, he's burnt to a crisp. But no, then we see Jesus stumbling around in the streets and he's alive. He looks like ass. I mean, yeah. just pure ass. Yeah, he, he's no longer looking young. No, his skin looks like it's rotting off his face. Like, it's just gray. It's like so gray. And so he looks like garbage. And at one point, he's like ripping one of his teeth out. And I was just like, ugh. Yeah. And so you assume that his teeth are maybe falling out or something's wrong with his teeth. Uh, he finds a newspaper and it has his own obituary on it. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'd be surprised if I saw a newspaper with my obituary on it. He so, just got out of a coffin, though. He should have known. <laughs> yeah, he should have known. He's like, oh, I crawled out of a coffin. I should be dead. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so he looks super surprised. Jesus tries to call his wife. His wife immediately hangs up on him because I guess maybe she thinks it's a prank caller. Yeah. But who was on the other line? Aurora. She's everywhere. That little girl's a spy. That little girl is so quiet in this movie, but does so much. She doesn't talk. At almost at all. She yeah. has no, almost no lines. And so, but she she's really important. And so because of this phone call, she knows her grandfather's probably going to come home. And so she's ready for him. Gives him a blanket. It's this really cute scene. And she puts him upstairs in her playroom. This is where you find out that actually Jesus is allergic to sunlight. Mm -hmm. Like sunlight harms him. And at this point, I didn't realize that this was a vampire movie. Yeah. It's hard to... Yeah, it's very different. It's a very different... Yes, it's a very different take on vampires. I didn't realize this was a vampire movie up until this moment. I was like, oh, crap. This is a vampire movie. (laughs) Yeah. So Aurora really kindly clears out one of her very large toy boxes for him to sleep in to avoid the sunlight. And so she puts him in there, tucks him in, and closes the 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 lid on him. It's really cute. Yeah. I thought it was like she was treating him like there was a little bit of a role reversal, like before you see him put her to bed and now she's putting him to bed and keeping him safe and I don't she's just so warm and so sweet without having to say anything, which is yes. Again, the acting from this little girl the, is amazing. The it's the acting, but also it's, you know, actions speak louder than words. Yeah. It's, again, the whole, like, show and don't tell. Yeah. And I think Del Toro in this movie really embodies that, you know? And in most of his movies, like, really embodies, like, show, but don't just give us exposition. Yeah. So Jesus writes a letter to his wife, Mercedes, explaining that, you know, he's thirsty, but he also has some unfinished business to take care of and how he misses her. And maybe, you know, hopefully one day they'll see each other, but probably not. Aurora and Jesus, we see them breaking into the factory. I don't know why he brought Aurora. Did she sneak in there or with him or what? I'm not sure. I think at this point, they're just a a team. Like, they're just... Yeah. He can't really do a lot without her. Like, he's also kind of weak by this point. Yeah, he's very weak and he looks like shit. And so Aurora's there as backup as, as, you know... She's she's, the bodyguard. Yeah, she's a ride or die little girl. Like, she's ride (laughs) or die. Like, I love her. She's great. So they break into this factory and they go into the old old sick man's uh, room 
and they they're looking through all this stuff quietly obviously and aurora finds the alchemist notes but the sick man the old sick man catches them and he straight up just tells jesus i ate those notes i swallowed them <laughs> and you're just like really bitch you Where ate did you them? burn them <laughs> what is wrong with you and so, did you they're like 400 year old notes a from a museum person's perspective horrific thing that you just did to history first of all yeah second of all these are nasty notes probably again so many germs nasty notes nasty notes yeah so why did you eat them so anyways this dude's nasty no wonder he's dying anyways he's probably eating a bunch of other shit that he's not supposed to eat so he's like yeah the notes are are you know in my head basically so he wanted to prevent jesus from from getting the answers unless he spoke to him directly so the sick old man is like you know hey start you know look at your skin it looks like crap and jesus is like i know it looks horrendous it's gray and garbage looking and he's like no just just start just start peeling your face off and he starts grabbing him and peeling his face for him and i was just like ew yeah get away <laughs> don't touch me i'll peel my own face thank you it's like a bad sunburn yeah like i will take care of my own sunburn thank you jesus is like okay fine so he he starts taking chunks of his skin off like putting his hand underneath the, the skin and starts peeling it off to reveal underneath really pearly white skin just like the guy the alchemist looked like yeah in 1937 in that debris and so you're like oh shit and then the old sick man tells him listen you are so thirsty not because you want to drink water but because you have to drink human blood it's not even like animal blood he's like no you can't even drink that you're not edward cullen you're not you're not in twilight bitch you can't live on rats you have to drink human blood and according to him if you break the device then you will die so jesus doesn't care about eternal life he's like you know this was all an accident i didn't mean to get into this i just want answers and i want a way out of this and i don't maybe you understood this part but what did he mean by that did he mean he just wanted to die i think he either wanted to die or wanted to be cured is what he wanted he didn't want to be stuck he didn't want eternal life like he he did not want that no, and he never saw it. He It just fell in his lap, literally. Yeah. He gives the device to the old sick man because the, the man's like, yeah, I'll help you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Of course, it's a trick. And the old sick man turns around and stabs Jesus. Yeah. And as they're, they're wrestling, now they're wrestling on the floor. The old sick man's on top of Jesus. And he's like, he's I'm going to stab you. He's really powerful for like, he's a frail looking ass old man. And he's kind of powerful. Dude, bitterness is very powerful. And evil <laughs> is very powerful too. So this is a bitter old white man. He's like, I'm going to stab you right in your heart. And as he's about to stab him, Aurora swoops in and literally like swings and hits the old sick man right in the back of his head, knocking his ass down. And I'm like, Aurora, you're such a badass. <laughs> and she looks so innocent doing it. She's just like, plop, okay, let's go. Yes. And she was so calm about it. She knew exactly what to do. I was like, this little girl is so awesome. Yeah. What a badass. Jesus gets up and he's like, he looks at the old man's dying, bleeding body. And he's just like, man, that looks tasty. <laughs> and so he latches on to the dude's neck and starts drinking his blood. And you're just like, okay, cool. While Aurora just stands there. <laughs> he pulls out the Tupperware. <laughs> and Aurora's standing there looking. 
And you're just like, and in my head, I was like, Aurora's going to tell her therapist so much shit. <laughs> she's going to, she's going to need a lot of help. I think she's smart, though. I don't think she would tell this to her therapist because then she'd go like they'd put her away. If she's like, and then my grandpa. <laughs> and then my grandpa started sucking that man's blood, who I knocked out. After peeling his skin off. <laughs> Anyways, Ron Perlman shows up, not having heard from his uncle. You know, he, he comes back, he comes up to investigate and he finds his uncle on the floor bleeding. And you're just like, okay, he's going to help him. Nope. He's super happy about it. He starts dancing. He's like, finally, I, you know, I'm yeah. free of you. And I, and he's like, I'm rich now. I can get all the plastic surgery I want. <laughs> I can be beautiful. I can be beautiful. I can be not Ron Perlman anymore. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and so, ah. Uh, but the but it looks like the old man this dude won't die the sick old man is like still alive and he reaches up for uh ron perlman and ron perlman's like nah bitch and steps on his neck and kills him <laughs> and you're just like ron you just put evidence on his neck you're not gonna get his his inheritance if they know you killed him you dummy yeah, your big ass feet you got big ass yeah you got big ass feet oh my god he's big ass feet ron perlman sees jesus and Aurora and Jesus is like, nah, I'm not taking any chances and hits Ron Perlman's face. And of course, in the face, in the like fa- that was just like, oh, yeah, Ron Perlman he fucked up his nose. Yeah, Ron was like, not my nose. <laughs> and so Ron Perlman, Jesus like breaks a window. They end up on the roof. Ron Perlman follows them onto the roof. So Ron Perlman proceeds to beat the crap out of Jesus. And that's when Jesus turns around to Ron Perlman and is like, he's smiling. And I'm like, yeah, what are you, you know, what are you planning, Jesus? And so he starts running towards Ron Perlman, tackles him. And so they fall off through a glass ceiling and they fall like a good one, two stories. Yeah. And and they fall in a lot of shit. Like there's a lot of shit. They're not even not just the glass. It just looks like a lot of debris everywhere. Yes. Ron Perlman is presumably dead because he's just like sprawled there, uh, not moving. And Aurora walks up to her grandfather to jesus and uses the scarab puts it over his his heart or his chest and the device Mm. once again revives jesus i'm sure jesus is like oh fuck i'm back god (laughs) it's like i was hoping i was dead he can't die though like that's the whole point he can't die unless it's through the chest yes so he can't die so we get a bit more body horror in this section where we see jesus actually like Parts of his the skin on his stomach have kind of opened up a little bit. And so he starts to put his hand underneath his skin. And you see his hand going underneath his skin and starting to, like, peel off the skin off his stomach. And, and it reveals, like, pearl white skin again. And you're just like, ugh. And then after he does that, Jesus kind of gets on his knees. And he it looks like he wants to hug Aurora. But then you have this weird look in his, you see this weird look in his eyes and you realize he actually just wants to drink Aurora's blood. And he starts staring at her and he starts reaching for her. And there she is standing. She says, grandfather, right? Grandfather. Yeah. Grandpa. She says, abuelo. Yeah, she says, abuelo. In such the sweet little voice. Like she doesn't say anything throughout the movie other than abuelo, I think. Yeah. I think that's all she says. And so she says, abuelo. One word. And it snaps him out of this trance that he was in. And he decides, he gets up and he's like, no, no more. He grabs the Kronos device, 
and smashes it. And the last words that he says kind of in this scene is, you know, yo soy Jesus Gris, Jesus Gris, Jesus Gris, which is his last name. I've never mentioned his last name. It's Gris. And he kind of laughs to himself. And Aurora just kind of stands there looking at, at him. Yeah. And I thought that was going to be the end of the movie. But then we cut to one final scene, which I liked. I really like this ending. We cut to this scene and we see him on his bed. His his skin is now completely pearly white and Aurora's re- laying next to him on him. It's really sweet. And then you see his wife enter the room and she just walks in. He holds up his hand and she holds his hand. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, it's so good. It just it feels like really great closure and it feels like and I, f- I feel good for Aurora with that ending. Like she had some closure. Because I can't remember where I read that it w- the reason she lives with her grandparents is that her parents died in a car crash. Oh. So that's why they're taking care of her. So it's kind of like this is another trauma. And maybe that's why she doesn't talk, right? Like she maybe saw this or something. Maybe she but, was in the like, car crash. Yeah. So that's just so much trauma already that this was just, she got to say goodbye to him. And yeah, like that moment where he's staring at her, they're face to face because he's on his knees. So they're looking at each other face to face. So that was a really powerful scene. I liked it too. Yeah. So it's just a great relationship between the two of them, the, the grandfather and the granddaughter. They hold, their relationship is what is the heart of the movie. You yeah. know, it's good characterization. It's it makes you care for the characters. You care for the both of them. You care about what happens to Jesus. And the fact that he was like, no, I'm not going to be that monster at the end. He was like, I am Jesus Gris. I am Jesus Gris. I'm not the monster that this machine has made yeah. me into. And yeah. I won't give in to hurting you know, this person that I love. And so I thought that was a really good ending. I figured, so my guess is he dies, right? In that bed? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he dies. Because without the machine, he can't live. Okay. Because that's, that's kind of what I was trying to figure out. Is like, I was like, wait, did he die or is he living? But it sounds like he's dying, but at least he has them by his side. So that's yeah. really, it, it is a good ending. Yeah, I really liked it. And you're right, like, he ha- he maintains his human side because of her. Like, her innocence keeps her keeps him human. Yeah. It's so good. It's super good. So, any last things to say before we go into our opinions? No, I think you got all of it. Okay. It's such a good movie. It is yeah. such a fun movie. I, I highly recommend it. It's And it's short. It's not very long. Mm-mm. Thank goodness. And it has, like, I think it has, like, you were saying, like, it has, like, the, the like, really good funny parts, but they're not dumb i don't know they're just again part of the character development they're funny because we learn more about the characters and they're like so well developed the characters and we feel all the feelings throughout the movie and i like that yes it's very much um it's not actiony in any sort of way it doesn't need to be it doesn't need that kind of weird action like um twilight or this these weird you know movies where it's about saving the world and all this crap it's 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 really just about the relationship between this little girl this old man or her grandfather and and how they have to deal with this really unexpected supernatural thing in their life yeah yeah it's a, it's a family drama with vampires yeah exactly <laughs> sort of so with one vampire with one vampire so this is my opinion. So I I like the the pacing again, the world building. I thought it was really interesting with the origins of the device, you know, being something kind of evil. I thought this was interesting that the origins of the device were from Europe, technically. Yeah. It was brought over by a European. 
you know, because at the beginning, the alchemist himself, I guess the narrator says that he was escaping persecution, right? Like so yeah. many, so many Europeans did that who came over and they came over to the Americas, Americas specifically to escape persecution. So I thought that was interesting that it was a, a disease almost that came over, brought over by Europeans. We we made that connection before. Yeah, that's true. That's why we planned this. Yeah, that's how no, we. That's, we did it. No, yeah, <laughs> I don't plan anything. We um, didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> overall, highly recommend this movie. I think it's really well shot, really well acted on uh, in. And if you don't like gore, it's not very gory. There's more body horror-y, but not even that much, I would say. Yeah. It's a, it's just a little gro- on the gross side. It's slightly gross, but it's not. And then one last thing that I wanted to say is the one thing I don't like about Del Toro is his lack of Mexican people of color. Like Mexico is very diverse. It has many different mm-hmm. types of shades of from pale, pale white to very dark skin. And I never see people with dark skin in his movies. Yeah. And I think so that kind of leads us into the analysis because part of part of it is this is the only movie he's filmed in Mexico. So Hmm. that that speaks volumes about the cast that he he does because most of his movies are in Spain or set in Spain or the US. So the diversity looks very different. Um, But I, I just... It, it was really, like, for me, the movie was really sweet. And it was one of those, it was a vampire movie that wasn't about vampires. Like, it wasn't about, I don't know, like, the traditional monster that we see, like, the fangs. And it wasn't transmitted in the same way, right? It looked like it would almost all, only affect that one person. So it, it's a different mythology that he's creating. Yeah. And I like that. So Jesus Gris is played by an Argentinian actor, Federico Lupi. So he's not... Mexican. Hmm. And then you have Ron Perlman, who's American. And then a few of the other actors are Mexican. I think Aurora and Mercedes are Mexican. It's really cool to see a, like a transnational cast. But at the same time, that I think that is also why it's not racially diverse. Oh. Yeah. That makes, I mean. So I'm not sure. But Mexico is diverse. That's the only thing that I'm, I'm kind of, you don't see. So it's like telenovelas, right? Telenovelas are bleached to hell. Yeah. You always see like light skinned Mexicans in, in telenovelas as opposed to like darker skinned uh, Mexicans. I mean, uh, probably my skin color is probably the darkest they'll go. Yeah. And as, as a maid, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think this is one of the critiques some people have of Guillermo del Toro, which not a lot of people have because there's not a lot of Mexican filmmakers that are hitting it big. So it's hard to critique him when he's doing so well. But it is the one movie that he's made in Max. He's he's middle class, upper middle class, and that has shaped his view of Mexico. But he he does give a lot of money back to Mexico. He's helping a lot of people go into filmmaking right now. So he he does contribute quite a bit to the media culture there. It's just the representation is kind of white. <laughs> yeah, it's it's lacking. It to me it's just lacking. If I was if I were to critique, critique anything on Del Toro, it's definitely that. But honestly, but you're right. It's not to me. It's 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 just disappointing. I'm not mad. I'm just kind of like, oh, white people again, Del Toro. Come on. <laughs> you sound like a mom. <laughs> I'm not mad at you, Del Toro. I'm just a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, but I think part of it too is like he casts people that are 
And that's one of the things that I had in my analysis. So I can jump right to that one. Like he casts people that he sees as muses that inspire him, right? Mm. So Federico Lupi is in a few of his movies. Ron Perlman is in a few of his movies. So these are actors that obviously inspire something in him. And that's why he keeps casting them. So maybe it's not. That's part of it. Right. Yeah. These are that's part of the reason why he casts the people he casts, like Alfred Hitchcock and the blondes. Ron Perlman is Guillermo del Toro's blonde. (laughs) I just really wanted to say that. (laughs) No, it. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Your face looks so uncomfortable. It's so funny. I'm just. (laughs) It's so perfect, though. It's true. Just like feet are. Quentin Tarantino's thing. (laughs) Yeah. Especially Uma Thurman's feet, but yes. I like the chart. It's a face of Ron Perlman, feet, and blonde. Blondes. I was picturing Ron Perlman with a blonde wig. Oh. And a tippy headron outfit. That's what I was picturing. No, that's good too. But all of it works. Yeah. So tell us what possibly shaped this film. So one of the big things, and Del Toro, I think that's why it's like, it's hard to be critical of him because his films are so politically... This one, at least, is really politically, what's it, shaped, even though it's not super, like, in your face about it. Mm -hmm. So the movie came out in 1993, and the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA, went into effect on 1994. So he was uber critical of NAFTA. And that's one of the critiques that, or one of the things that we see in the movie, like, the La Guardia family, right? Like, the, the uncle, I think his name's Dieter, and Angel, Ron Perlman, work in this factory that looks like it's a, a working factory, but at the same time looks abandoned. Yeah. Right? And they're they're leeching off of Mexico. Like they are they're like the, the vampires, right? The the way they have this factory running, the way they are obsessed with this thing, right? Like and you're like you said the Europeans brought the vampire in that wouldn't have affected him if it hadn't been for this relationship. So okay, so I guess I should go back uh, and explain what NAFTA is. So Yes, please I, do. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the idea of NAFTA was to open up the borders for products and trade while reducing or getting rid of tariffs between Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. And a lot of people, when this was proposed, were kind of like, Mexico's going to get the shit end of the stick in this deal, but Mexico's peso has just been devaluated. Like, Mexico was in a really bad recession because of the government, because of a number of reasons. It was really bad. So they signed into it, and it formed a parasitic relationship between the U.S. and Mexico. So the U.S. would get really cheap labor from Mexico without having to really give anything. And a big part of that was the maquiladoras or the factories, which technically started in the 60s, but they went full force in the 90s, where they were like all over the border. And by the time NAFTA hit, a lot of agricultural businesses in Mexico closed. So the U.S. would flood Mexican um, markets with U.S. grown produce, like corn, which I always found fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. So the U.S. would sell corn to Mexico at such a cheap rate that Mexican corn and maize growers couldn't compete, so they would lose their farms, and they would have to go look for other jobs, and a lot of people that lost their land would go to the border to work in the factories that were maquiladoras, and maquiladoras are foreign-owned. So European, Asian, and American companies would set up on the Mexican side of the border, again, for cheap labor, long hours, and that that's... Yeah. When people think about Kronos, it's again, it's not like in your face, but that's 
what was informing Guillermo el Toro along with his love for horror films along with like a bunch of other things it was about this like parasitic relationship and this consumption of the Mexican soul by the U.S. because of NAFTA isn't that cool yeah and sad <laughs> and so like I have a quote from Guillermo el Toro in an interview he said we were raided and invaded by media companies and there was nothing to protect us so not only was like agricultural and production businesses hurt but media production was also hurt by this oh right that the media production lost a lot of money so it was like nafta was something that really fucked up mexico for a really long time yeah and they just re-signed yeah. another trade agreement didn't they yeah and again i mean it's that codependency like you can't you can't reset up farms right like all these things are just th these lifestyles these ways of life are now gone yeah there's a dependence on the u.s and u.s product so messed up just the, like the u.s depends on mexican and latin american labor yeah so yay yay <laughs> yay great love it hate it stupid <laughs> but yeah that's why like the corp the company where they live the la guardia lives is just like I feel like that's the gloomiest place of the whole movie. Like, it's just so... That place is gray and empty, but also functioning and just life-sucking. Which is so cool, too, because, like, De La Guardia... Or Guardia is, like, guard, right? Someone that guards something. So it's kind of like... We could think about it, like, De La Guardia is, like, watching over Mexico City. Because that's where it's at, right? Just watching over them and watching their labor. But then you have Angel De La Guardia, who's, like, the angel... Uh, the guardian angel oh, the whole other thing. that makes sense in the name yeah so okay so i broke it down by like a few that's like the overarching theme mm -hmm. but then i broke it down by a few of the tropes that we see in del toro's work overall so the first one is children he always i think almost always includes i haven't seen all of his movies but in all the ones i've seen and read about he includes children and they're kind of central to the plot they're kind of like like you said the heart of the film the soul of the film the sense of innocence like we see in aurora right she doesn't it's her actions that, that speak her self-reliance she doesn't have to say anything and we see this in espinazo del diablo so devil's backbone pants labyrinth don't be afraid of the dark like the children are kind of the heart of the plot yeah and i had to look it up so aurora is the dawn oh again yeah. very good symbol symbolism with these names yeah because it's kind of like yeah like beginning a new day a new birth sort of thing well if you think about it jesus gris gris is 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 gray it's named gray yeah yeah Oh, interesting. Which he was. For a good chunk of the movie, he was, like, physically gray. Yeah, he was physically gray, but I wonder if that is also commentary on or symbolic of his his character kind of ending up in a, in a gray, morally gray area. Yeah. Okay, so I was reading Guillermo del Toro was talking about what makes good horror films or, like, what makes... Yeah, thinking about horror, and he was reflecting that good horror is about not living in black or white, but this gray space, right? Like, fully developed characters, fully developed horror exist in the gray space of morality. Oh. So that's exact. yeah, yeah. So, great, I found a, an Easter egg, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so, like, it's so smart. Like, there's so many things, like, in the movie. I uh, like so it. So the second thing that he's really big into, and I hate, are bugs. <laughs> There's mimic, which is like people that turn or giant cockroaches that are mimicking people. So they look like people until they take their clothes off and they're giant cockroaches, like human size. What? 
It's so good. It is disgusting. I highly recommend it. Oh my god. Maybe we have to review that movie next. My god, that's terrifying. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> so yeah, so bugs and, and creepy crawlies. And then a lot of his movies reference religion and myth. So mostly Christianity, but not always. So for example, this one takes place at Christmas, where we celebrate Jesus's birth. Yeah. And the main character is Jesus, who's Jesus. So we are celebrating his rebirth after he becomes a vampire. <gasps> right? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> the layers! You're peeling back the layers like Jesus peeled back his skin! Oh, gross. <laughs> And then you have the angels, right? The guardian angel played by Ron Perlman, who's anything but. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, he's not... I mean, he's kind of his uncle's guardian angel. Like, his bodyguard until he kills him. Yeah, until he's like, oh, you're dead now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was the main ones. I highly recommend um, the book, The Three Amigos by Deborah Shaw. So she talks about Guillermo del Toro, Iñárritu, and Cuarón, like the three major Mexican filmmakers right now. And kind of breaks out their film, based on their filmography and their influences and does like really amazing analysis. But yeah, that's what I noticed in the film. That's awesome. I, I love this. I, you know, watching the movie, I would not have picked up on all this symbology if you hadn't explained it and i kind of connected the gris when you said the name the different names but that's that's it and if you don't speak spanish that's a whole other layer that you would not have noticed yeah no i think you would totally miss out on that and that's i don't know i kind of like that and i like that about his films like you have to be they take multiple reads like a good book they take multiple reads to really get it like you find something new every time you watch it and that makes a good movie i like it i like it it's a special easter egg for a spanish-speaking folks i like it it's cool yeah <laughs> but that's why you come here and you learn about it from us because we'll explain it exactly <laughs> We break it down for you. Yeah. So I guess that's it uh, for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to continue supporting us, please, please leave us a review. Just let us know what you think. And uh, you can follow us on social media at on Twitter, Monstras, with an S at the end, podcast. Or email us at monstraspodcast at gmail.com. So that's basically it. Uh, stay safe. Avoid antique shops. Avoid mm -hmm. weird-looking mechanisms. Try not to peel your skin off during quarantine. Yes, don't peel your skin off and eat it. So please yeah. don't do that. But yeah, <laughs> have a good day. And see you guys on the next episode. Bye. Bye.